0: hey this is vanessa this is carlos and you're listening to retro ad review this is a podcast where we select a couple of random old tv commercials and review them so if you like commercials listen in Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Retro Ad Review, the Halloween edition. So, this is going to be an episode about Halloween and all those spooky things related to Halloween. That's all I'm going to say from this episode. Yeah, it's going to be a very
1: monotone episode. Yeah, this is very Halloween-oriented, but it's also within stuff you would associate with Halloween, not just Halloween candy, da-da-da.
0: Halloween, Halloween. Halloween. December-ween. So, oh yeah, that's like Homestar Runner. God, that's like 20 years old. Oh, hey Welcome to Homestar net. It's .com. So, ooh, <laughs> ooh, uh, ooh. <laughs> I don't know what's going on right now. All right, so we're going to kick off with the... First one in our Trilogy of Terrors. That's pretty good, right? Like that movie with that Tiki Uh, doll thing. (laughs) And the first one, if you want to watch it, is on YouTube. And you can see it under Freddy Krueger Hotline Commercial 1989 once again foolish friends freddy krueger is on your phone dial this number now i've got some tales to tell freddy's favorite bedtime stories (laughs) Deadtime stories all brand new and straight from my boiler room to your home it's freddy krueger on your phone so dial this number now if you dare tell them
1: freddy sent you two dollars the first minute 45 cents each additional minute children get your parents permission before you dial
0: well Okay. That was a commercial. <laughs> so this was this is a good commercial. I really like this commercial. I actually thought it was initially when I first saw it thought it was promoting something else, like I don't know, McDonald's or another brand, but it's <laughs> actually just purely a Freddy Krueger outline. So yeah. essentially the video itself is just various shots of Freddy Krueger. With call Freddy one don't call this number anyone I, I don't know what it'll lead to but it says one nine hundred nine oh nine Fred Fred on the screen so it's just pictures of Freddy Krueger smiling walking around like pipes because <laughs> he's a burnt man and just kind of standing around and then it it's that's it it just says the whole time were those clips from the movie or I don't know I don't think so. Some of them look really... I'm not
1: sure if that is or isn't Robert Englund's voice, but yeah, it's Freddy talking.
0: Yeah. Anyway, the other thing that it says outside of Call Freddy, it says on the screen $2 the first minute, $0.45 cents each additional minute. So it'll cost you at least two forty-five 45 if you want to speak to Freddy Krueger for three minutes. A bargain! <laughs>
1: That's kind of a lot.
0: Yeah, that is a lot. Jesus. Like, also, we're talking what year? 1989? We're talking 1989, $2.45. I don't know. That might be five bucks right now. Or even more. It's stupid. But yes, that's the Freddy Krueger story. (laughs) Ta-da! So who is Freddy Krueger, apart from my nemesis? Your nemesis? Explain that a little bit. Yeah, he's my nemesis. So basically, when I was little, that was, apart from the Crypt Keeper, Freddy Krueger was the thing I was probably most scared of, and our older sister always used to use it against me and said he was in the closet, or, I don't know, he was doing stuff, so I'd get really sad and cry. Or he slashed the sky. Yeah, all that kind of stuff, so, I don't know, I don't don't like Freddy Krueger. I think he's a bad guy.
1: Both of those are a little silly, too, though.
0: Oh, well, but I guess it is scary. I was like three. What was I supposed to do? Not believe people who told me things? Man up to it. All right. I was a baby girl.
1: (laughs) Uh, So, The Nightmare on Elm Street is one of the most popular horror franchises of all time. It was created by Wes Craven after he read a series of newspaper articles where the Hmong refugees were suffering nightmares and refusing to sleep. And then when they did, they died in their sleep, probably from all the uh, the
0: stress and stuff. I had saved these clippings of the news story about some young men dying in the middle of severe nightmares. That's really creepy. Like, that's real life, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, There's certain things that happen in with refugees and refugee camps and refugee uh, communities. They, they have specific types of problems wow i guess all the messed up stuff that happened to him so craven i like how his name means like what coward or something
0: like that yeah he should do more craven and less more wine uh doesn't matter
1: i ruined it he
0: can't do much
1: anymore seeing as he's passed oh yeah that's true he shopped it to many studios including paramount and disney who told them to tone it down and he didn't want to betray his artistic vision, so he said no. New Line Cinema, a small operation, which they used to just distribute, agreed to make the film.
0: What else has New Line Cinema done? Because it did the turtles.
1: I know they bought Friday the 13th from Paramount, and they just done a bunch of stuff. They also did um, the Surf Ninjas and stuff like Surf Ninjas. They were around a lot. They've done a lot, but they are well-known for the Nightmare on Elm Street because that's the first huge thing that they got. It's even sometimes called the house that Freddy built because that's when they got their biggest break. So the story is about a man named Freddy Krueger who was the name of a bully of Wes Craven when he was young. And Freddy Krueger hurt children in a not-nice way like he murdered them, right? No, he, I think he like abused them too. <gasps> oh no. He hurt children, and he got off on a technicality. One of the technicalities in the movie? It says it was a uh, a bad form filled out, and in the TV show, it was he didn't get rid of his Miranda rights.:
0: A bad form that's really funny in like a really depressing way, all right.
1: So the parents didn't like that, so they took the law into their own hands, and when he was in his boiler room hideout, they set him on fire, and they killed him. Now he came back through uh, demon magic stuff, and he gets revenge by killing their teenage children in their dreams. Ooh,
0: I just watched this like a few days ago. Did you ever watch the series, or just uh, the first one? I only watched the first one. What do you mean series? Like the TV, like was there a TV show? The whole uh, like movie. movies. Oh, yeah, we watched we watched like all of them at one stage. I don't remember any of them, but we watched like all of them. Yeah. I barely remember them. So,
1: the character just became super famous and the franchise grew and grew. It was just he's a menace. You saw Frank Krueger everywhere even though he was I just find it weird how he's a freaking child killer, yet he's appealing to children.
0: <laughs> Ooh. Well, I mean, he is a child killer. How'd he get those kids? He probably lured them.
1: Yeah, with toys with and treats and stuff. And TV shows and candy and everything else that was had his face on it. And smokes. Yeah. yeah the franchise grew and grew. And Craven. Only really wrote and directed the first and seventh film. Seventh film was released in
0: 1994. And he co-wrote the third film, Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors? That sounds stupid. That sounds like something from like the 80s of like Conan the Barbarian type (laughs) of... It sounds bad. Wait, was Dream Warriors in the 80s? Yeah, it was like 87, I think. Such a bad name. Bad title. Freddy Krueger sounds scary. Dream Warriors sounds stupid. And one of the things that it spawned was a hotline. What, the Freddy Krueger craze? <laughs> yeah, the Freddy Krueger craze. So, like, I kind of, it would be neat to go back to that time and, like, listen. Like, do you know, like, there's probably something special about calling that number and paying lots of money and trying to, like, scare your friends or something. It's like, Freddy, you'll talk to us or something. It'd probably It was really stupid. Again, this is something geared towards teenagers and, like, 12 year olds
1: yeah by like the third movie he got too big that they just made him into a clown it's like you all know that what you're coming in for the movies for
0: yeah so he became like
1: a started with number one and with number two was a gay one number three was the dream wars then number five was the kid from the other thing it's just a long series it has like entries the last one being Freddy vs Jason I yeah think. yeah really yeah, then they had the reboot in 2010.
0: Oh. Okay. They haven't done much with Freddy since. I know that they've done a, a Chucky doll series, which is supposed to be pretty good, actually.
1: Yeah, it, just, it came out in like 2020 to 2021.
0: It's supposed to be good, weirdly enough. The thing that's kind of weird... Freddy's a child killer. <laughs> Even in
1: 2000, 2003, when uh, Freddy vs. Jason came out, I was like, they felt dated at that point, even though it was only 2003.
0: Yeah, It was like
1: nine years after the last Freddy's Nightmare, which Wes Craven decided to make it like a meta commentary, and he popped out of the screen and stuff. Oh, weird. Which is actually a really good movie. But one of the things that popped out was the hotline. Hotline! And lines. Freddy, like everybody else, had the hotline. So, 900 hotlines were hot... In the 1980s. You get my uh, pun there? I
0: don't like that. Okay.
1: Well, there was a way to get information to people before the big giant thing we all use now, the internet. Like for sports gambling, but others used it to make money. Hmm. Specific niche interests that people were willing to pay for allowed them to grow. Part of the fee was given to the service provider. Uh, one of the biggest ones is AT&T, okay. which I figured out was American Telephone, and Telegraph or something like that.
0: Oh. You know
1: that? Or did you call at and
0: <laughs> I've never even bothered to think about that. No. Why would I, why would I even think about it, I guess? Yeah. That's interesting.
1: Because you wanted to get into the telephone company? Oh. Okay. So some recorded number calls were for polls as well. And the first widely known one of the 900 numbers was when ABC's Nightline, ABC being American Broadcasting Company, they polled who won the 1980 presidential debate. In 1982, another big incident happened with Saturday Night Live. They did their famous Larry the Lobster sketch, where comedian Eddie Murphy held a lobster over boiling water and gave two 900 lines, one to either boil... Or the other to save him, uh, and it was pretty much through like gestures and wordplay and everything else. Like, dial this one to boil. I mean, just like holding him over the boiling water, and it was just, like, yeah, he up. wants to uh, boil it. So a bunch of people called in, and it was ultimately that his life was spared, but it did cause huge controversy because he was pretty much gonna kill a lobster online.
0: Depending on what people said,
1: yeah, wow. But I don't know if it was Larry the Lobster or another lobster that he just bought, but it ended up that some lobster was boiled and eaten by Eddie Murphy. There, I guess lobsters get eaten because some lady was like, "Oh, this is uh this is cruel and bad." He's just obviously wants to kill the lobster, and then she says something racist. Is I thought those people didn't even like seafood. Oh my god! And then in the next weekend. He was like, well, Mariel, or whatever the heck your name was, I kept my promise, and we saved him because the people voted that way. But because you were a racist, I rescinded his uh, stay of execution, and then he pulled out a lobster and just started Oh, eating. God, okay. I was like, that's kind of messed up. <laughs> that man is sick, and I thought those people didn't like seafood. My word is bond, okay? And I did say last week that I was going to let Larry the lobster live. But then I received this racist
0: letter from you.
1: <laughs> and I had a change of mind.
0: The whole thing is messed up. I mean, you can eat lobster, but Jesus. Yeah, I know. Uh, but any anyway, all right. So, uh, the
1: technology later took off in 1987 when AT&T opened up the 900 services to entrepreneurs. And whenever something new is open, it's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. Making many people rich. That's cool. But in the usual beginning Wild West stages, it's usually weird. Many of the earlier ones
0: were, what would you think? Of the 900 numbers? Yes. They were related to ladies of the night and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, I always thought they were just the early purely. pops
1: up like that. And that's the thing I associate most with 900 numbers, because I was up late night doing my homework or something, and then. It was like, ooh, can you poop? No, you can't. Here's some supplement. And then, like, sexy ladies popping out. The women who are there aren't going to be that attractive. And it's probably just other men messing with people. Oh, well, on the internet. I be back in the day with the 900, you probably had an actual woman.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it would always be like, ooh, we're we're bored and want to have fun or whatever. So We're yeah. so bored we're willing to pay this money. Now, two ways to enjoy America's most exciting dating network with the first minute free. Call me. I just thought, I thought that all 900 numbers were adult numbers. I thought there was, because like, you know, you have like 1-800 numbers. So I just thought it's like, oh, 900 was specifically reserved for the adult stuff. Not meanwhile, you called 1-800 for something else. So I didn't realize you could call it to, I don't know, talk to Corey. (laughs) So that's, that's weird. So it
1: crossbred with personal and classified ads in the newspapers it was a huge business in 1991 they raked it almost a billion dollars and by 1993 there were more than 10,900 wow some of the bigger ones i remember were uh like the freddy hotline and the uh hulk hulkamania hotline what and because we saw it like a thousand freaking times on the freaking vhs
0: 1-989 Maurice. <laughs> Whoa, that sounds really familiar. What is that? From Little Monsters. <gasps> oh god, I remember that. Jesus. That's really funny because you said that and it just like triggered something in my head, but like I couldn't quite place it. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Now, what? Uh-huh. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> and because it was a Wild West. There were also many, many scams, if, including Shocking. false and mundane information like names that rhyme with yourself and uh, newspaper readings. <laughs> but they they just gave like false and mundane information. It's like when are the Packers gonna play and who's their best players? And they're like, "What's his face as a quarterback?" Whatever.
0: <laughs> so they just said anything to keep you on
1: the line. Yeah, and they had long pauses to rack up the charges. Like, okay, we'll look up the information. Da, da, da just to rack up the charges one of the worst and most infamous were santa claus oh told children to hold up the phone over the tv speaker and a program that they had on the other line uh they dialed the 900 number for them uh then they're like oh now you can talk to santa claus so the kids didn't know anything about like money and Aww, stuff so they talked to sad. santa for hours And then the parents woke up Christmas morning or whatever. And they're like, wow, what the heck is going on? We've got
0: quite the bill. Yeah. That sucks, but it's kind of funny.
1: And that's when more stuff like regulations were happening. And a lot of it were like, we had to protect the children. Protect the children from adult businesses was one of them. From Santa. (laughs) Yeah. And the adult business was one of the heaviest hit. The adult business were targeted by Congress in order to protect the children. In 1988, one of them failed because it too narrowly focused on what was offensive to children and the free speech grounds and all that. Huh. So the US Supreme Court struck it down. But in 1992, with the Helms Amendment, another passed, which was essentially you need a subscription. And they were like, that's not really too much oh. of a burden on you guys even though they claimed it was, and it probably was, and it severely damaged the business, and the U.S. Supreme Court upheld that one.
0: Right, okay. So they that- also
1: cracked down on scammers. In 1993, the FTC made it mandatory to say costs up fraud. That's why you always hear like uh, two minutes for the first minute. and da Give callers a chance to hang up with no fee, which hurts you if you're a business. Block 900 numbers, illegal to advertise to children under 12, And immediate refunds until the matter was disputed, which is kind of harsh if you're a business, you know?
0: Yeah. Like, how do you prove that you scammed or whatever? Yeah, that's pretty messy. Well, it was good for the consumer or non-consumer in some cases. Yeah, so
1: it was really hurting it. But in the mid-90s, the internet was creeping in, and it was killing the industry as the services moved to websites, and they were free. Well, a lot of it was free, and then if you wanted to pay for stuff it was a little easier even though it took seven minutes just to get online
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's how much people were like desperate to just have private ways of accessing things (laughs) yeah i just always Uh... looked it up for like
1: game facts which came out in like 95 or something every game since then i've been looking (laughs) at (laughs) all Yeah, so they're pretty much dead now. In 2012, Verizon was the last major communications company in the U.S. to eliminate their 900 number service. Wait, when? 2012.
0: Wow. That's
1: long. It ended in the U.S., but it still lives on in less regulated countries. So maybe in like, I don't know, Panama or something, you can dial up the phone and hear Freddy's creepy tale.
0: I don't think Freddy's... I don't, I think Freddy got out of the 900 game.
1: <laughs> that's what the Freddy's thing was. He just told you creepy tales. Like, ooh, the... Oh, game. that's cool.
0: He actually told you tales? It wasn't just like, like I'm Freddy.
1: And uh, trivia questions and uh, tales of his exploits of murdering people or something like that. There's uh, YouTube videos where some of them. You can hear it.
0: That's really cool. Oh, that's really neat. I like that. I mean, it probably isn't that cool. It's probably not that cool. But it sounds cool to me.
1: There was one part I read that the WWF, now WWE superstars, they just finished WrestleMania and they went right to the hotlines to record something so the kids could give them money. (laughs) So yeah, this was huge. But then it's not huge.
0: It's like uh, uh, DTV, direct-to-video. Now it's just streaming. Uh, Direct-to-streaming. All right. That was a cool journey through the Freddy Krueger hotline and hotlines in general, who met an untimely end in 2012. Actually, that's an extremely past timely end in 2012. 10 years ago. Yeah, it's
1: pretty. Like, did they just hold out for the really, really old people or something? That's, like, 90 yeah. year old grandma finally it must.
0: Back. It must have, like, you know how it takes a long time? Well, and sometimes it takes a long time to, like, kill something legacy in your business. It must have been performing some odd, Judy, that ended up just not being financially viable anymore. Yeah, not even financially it. viable, but maybe they were re-looking at things. It's like there's no point in having this anymore. Yeah,
1: like that 1-800-COLLECT thing we looked up that you can still kind of call to Antarctica if you have a, a scientist relative there or something like that.
0: Or right. a penguin. All right. So, <laughs> we're going to we move on. some
1: residual uh, usefulness and then we're like, okay,
0: If you want to talk to a penguin. All right, so let's talk... <clears throat> Let's talk next one. So we will play the next one. If you want to see this, it is called Coors Light, Elvira commercial on YouTube.
1: Elvira here, mistress of the dark and sometimes surfer babe, because Coors Light is the official beer of Halloween. And the parties at the beach, Malibu Beach, where you can hang ten. Look, Frankie and Annette. And of course, when it's time to chill, just reach for that cooler of course Light. Aged, ice cold, never frozen stiff. It's the right beer now for Halloween. Just look for the Silver Bowl and smooth display and dig up your friends now for a party at the beach. Happy Halloween, dudes. The Fright Beer.
0: This is a really fun commercial. This is a really fun commercial. You like it? It's actually, yeah, it's really enjoyable. It's Elvira, the Mistress of the Dark, who is touting Coors Light. (laughs) She's she's clearly on a soundstage with like fake sand and like a fake backdrop of, she's supposed to be on a beach and she's just walking around talking about Coors Light, but showing you various members of the monster community (laughs) indulging in beer and fun in the sun so first up she smacks the mummy just kind of getting his attention and a whole cloud of dust comes off of him and he's wearing an inner tube and then he shows you that he's holding a can of Coors Light as well as a bottle of Coors Light and then she cuts to Malibu Beach which is spelt Malibu with an exclamation point so that's that's stupid and then she makes reference to Frankie, who is it? It's Annette Finicello and... and Frankie Avalon. Okay, I was going to say Avalon. Uh, so,
1: the beach Frankie, movies of the 60s.
0: Yeah, so Frankie Avalon and... Okay, so to give a little bit context here, she comments F- Frankie and Annette, is what she says in the commercial, because it's Frankenstein, Frankie, and he has Annette, and he's trying to catch a bug he's on the
1: butterflies i don't
0: know yeah he's he's on the beach like butterfly catching like spongebob or something (laughs) and so frankie avalon and annette funicello were two famous teen stars who did a lot of beach movies in the 1960s i don't know why we know that
1: which is the movie that had moon dog or something
0: i have no idea who the hell moon dog is
1: wasn't it one of those right with
0: the 60s beach movies? i have no clue but the fact that i know who annette funicello is and frankie avalon is weird like i shouldn't know because you saw
1: that full house episode with them
0: i did but we (laughs) saw some other things with them in it we watched like the parent trap yeah anyway the 1960s one not the stupid one later that everyone loves but whatever
1: i actually do like that one
0: i think it's stupid I I like the old one. It's just more comfy. That's about it. Anyway, uh, sorry, tangent. But in the commercial, she meets Frankenstein, and then she hangs out with her team of friends around a big cooler of Coors Light. I don't know. I wonder if they were going to try to do like a cool cool like Boo Coors Light. I don't know. Anyway, all the monsters are having a beach party. It's a monster mash on the beach that's it boor's light boor's light yeah that's what a boorish boor <laughs> boor light so yeah. that's that's a cute commercial i like it it's it, it kind of elvira feels like she was in that vein of like do you know how the crypt keeper always made like Stupid bad puns? puns yeah like just yeah, bad that's kind
1: of a thing though
0: spooky bad jokes but maybe you it was watch her no, I didn't. I just knew who I she was. I kind of did here and there. And she seemed nice. She's
1: been around for a while.
0: She just seemed like a nice person. I don't know why. <laughs> like, as in, like in the things, she seemed like something to not be scared of. If if that makes sense.
1: I hated Freddy Krueger and the Cryptkeeper, but I could tolerate Elvira. <laughs>
0: yeah, because she was just a lady, and she looked like she looked like she could be your friend, maybe. Who knows?
1: <laughs> I don't know. How this pops out your
0: I don't know. Like, the Crypt Keeper can't be your friend. He's stupid.
1: He's a stupid dead guy. I just like
0: saying everyone, just saying everyone's stupid right now for some reason. Anyway, right. that's my view on Elvira.
1: Well, Elvira, if you don't know who she is, she is a horror hostess. She's probably one of the mo- most famous horror host hostesses now, right? Like, when you think of it. Yeah,
0: I mean, there's not that many horror hosts out there. I think it
1: used to be. I guess she's the one that was the most mainstream. Yeah. Because, I mean, you could hear like Joe Bob Briggs and uh, Sven Gulli and stuff like that, but Sven-Gooley. not many people know who they are. So I guess she is the most famous one.
0: Yeah, yeah, she was the most famous.
1: She was created by Cassandra Peterson. She uh, also mm-hmm. plays her. She had a, Peterson had a an early career in films and singing and dancing. She like went around the world. She went to like She was like an Italian rock band and stuff like that. She just flew around the world. And then in 1981, the producers of Fright Night on KHJ-TV were looking to revive the horror movie horror host show after the death of horror host Larry Vincent. The showrunners initially wanted to bring back Malia Nermi, horror hostess Vampira, all the way in the 1950s, back in the Hmm.
0: 1950s. Wow, Uh, 50s. Unpleasant
1: dreams, darlings. I think the most accessible she is today, she's one of the zombies in the Ed Wood Plan 9 from Outer Space movie. You remember that lady?
0: No, I don't remember Plan 9 that well, but I. I, I,
1: Do you remember the zombie? Her?
0: No, I don't remember anything about that film. I went, oh, because I know the film, but like of the film, but I don't remember much about Plan 9.
1: Uh, She declined to come over to replace Larry Vincent. And then Peterson auditioned and she got the role. Yeah, yeah. The character is a cross between a gothy punk vampire with the personality of a valley girl. Which is the thing for me is what I always like the most. Because I saw her and I, you always think like scary or creepy or like vampy. And then this was more a weird she had like a scary look to her and then she was like, hey, I'm a really ditzy moron and all this stuff.
0: She was just really – yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. She just seemed friendly. Like she was <laughs> welcoming for for like spooky things. So it's like you can like things that are kind of scary, but you don't really want to be too scared. You want that comfort, yeah. that person in the middle. That's why the stupid – um, that idiot crip keeper. even though I kind of <laughs> like him now – Was too scary. His his character (laughs) because he actually was very frightening to look at. Even though everything that he said or everything that comes out of his mouth is dumb and it's meant to be like, oh, that was a kind of scary show, but the crypt keeper's here and everything's fine now. No, he's really scary. At least that's what I thought when I saw him at the age of three. (laughs) Three again?
1: She had like a Big here for me. It was a big year. You saw the Joker. He scared you. You saw Freddy Krueger.
0: <laughs> um, oh, my God. Yeah. My, like, I really liked that year of my life. But, yeah, it was marked with, with multiple horrible things that scared me. Yeah.
1: So she had, a, like, a campy personality and, like the Crypt Keeper, one of her big things, just punny dad jokes of stupidity, like Frankie and that. And I was like, oh. She had a self-deprecating personality, and she made a lot of jokes around her... Ample chest sides.
0: Ample bosoms.
1: I'm not a witch. I'm nothing you've heard. I'm you. Except with bigger
0: Yeah, that was the whole thing, wasn't it? Yeah. But it was part of her look that she was kind of a sexy vampire. Aren't all vampires, like, kind of meant to be sexy? Like, that's their thing. I think
1: they haven't been non-sexy since, like, the 1922 movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Nosferatu is something different. But, yeah. So, yeah. The
1: show was renamed Elvira's Movie Macabre, and it's still around in some form or another for those 40 or so years. The character was a big hit and has become one of the best-known horror hostesses. I remember particularly, I either first saw her in the movie or in the, um... It was like a pre-Halloween Super Bowl thing. Remember we went to it? And it's, uh... She was one of the hostesses, and I think it was also promoting "Bad Out of Hell" too.
0: I, I do remember her. Yeah, there's really? something. It kind of rings a bell. Like, as in,
1: we went to our aunt's house and we had a party with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember her being involved in something. I think I like her because my birthday is close to that time too, and that's when she would always <laughs> appear on TV. Yeah, I'm very simple.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a simple person. Or yeah, no yeah
0: it's just I like, go. oh, I like this because it's associated with me in yeah. some way. I'm a narcissist. Yeah. So right. she was
1: pretty much a uh, product placement for a lot of things. She had a crossover appeal with children and guys. Apparently, she was used for uh, like like stuff like Coors and stuff. Coors, and she still makes appearances to this day: at conventions and cameos. And I think she even uh, guest starred in RuPaul's
0: Drag Race. And stuff. Oh, she did. She was fun in that. The Eternal Beauty,
1: Mistress of the Dark, Elvira. <gasps>
0: she's she she actually like basically she doesn't do it so much anymore the elvira stuff so she charges like supposedly she charges like a lot of money to (laughs) appear as elvira so when she's at these events she'll be um cassandra peterson or whatever but i think on drag race she was elvira which is not awfully common because she commands a lot i think rupaul really likes elvira because she's She's also quite draggy, you know, like kind of...
1: The camp style and all that. Yeah, really
0: campy and it's old school. So I think that's why she fit well into that kind of scene or whatever. In
1: 1988, they released the movie Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, which I remember distinctly because we were... I do remember that too. It was like um, uh, when we it had the, the Saturday morning cartoons and we were forced to eat like chicken soup or something we hated. Uh-huh. And we sat there for hours. And after the Saturday morning cartoons were done, it was like, Hey Fred, you're the best guy a guy could ever have. It's like, Oh, thanks, Bonnie. And then like right next to it was like usually a, a cop movie. So it was just boom. And for Halloween one time, it was, uh, yeah,
0: it would like the, the cartoons would end and it would just immediately go into people stuff.
1: Yeah. And like, adulterer people stuff i was like whoa and one of them was elvira mistress of the dark i'm like okay what is this movie and i just sat there not wanting to eat my chicken soup watching this entire movie <laughs> it was just kind of like two hours i think it was either the, the football game or this movie that when i first saw her and the movie was about she inherits a house from her dead great aunt. After she was fired from the horror hostess show and her evil great uncle fought for possession of a spell book he'll be using to take over the world. She goes up to like conservative Salem, Massachusetts community and they're like, oh, she's weird, but she's also a witch. Burn her. (laughs) And then her evil uncle gets the book.
0: Wait, is she a witch?
1: No. She has to fight him with a super talisman from her great aunt. Maybe in the movie she was because her great aunt was a witch.
0: So it's a kooky film.
1: And then it was followed up all the way in 2001 with Elvira's Haunted Hills, a self-produced and self-funded send-up of classic horror. Elvira's Haunted Hills. I think she was even like a Scooby-Doo movie, one of the VHSs or straight to streaming video things. Do you
0: remember that? No.
1: (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) And she still in some way does Elvira's movie macabre. I think I... just saw one recently, but yeah, it's kind of like Mystery Science Three Three Thousand and stuff. She's yeah, like, oh, okay. look, that uh, cheap monster!" Blah blah blah. Boo Barella. <laughs> Boo uh, Stupid. Yeah. So, if you want to go to some stream platform, maybe it's there. She's still around. She seems like a pretty cool lady when it was interviewed. When I watched the interviews for the for the research.
0: Yeah, she seems. I think that's the other thing. I think people really like cassandra peterson as well her name's cool too cassandra but whatever all right that's enough of the witch vampire lady who's not a witch (laughs) we're moving on to the last one which this one's a little bit different it's not great for your ears but we will describe what happens as it plays so after the break So, if you want to see this, it's called Why Sport Susie Favor Hamilton Nike at on YouTube. So, the video begins in kind of like a spooky house. A woman's turning on a bathtub and she's taking off like her, her jacket. She's getting ready for like taking a bath, I guess. So, she looks in the mirror and grabs like puts away her brush. But then when she closes it, she sees like a Michael Myers type character who comes at her with a chainsaw. So she runs out of the house, and she trips over things, just like a classic scary movie girl would. He chases her, but as she keeps running through the woods, she's doing a pretty good job of escaping the guy with the chainsaw. And he starts kind of slowing down. She just keeps running, and he just can't make it over. She's just like... Uh running through the woods even further. Yeah. And uh, the Michael Myers character takes off his mask. He puts down his thing. He's just like, I can't do this anymore. And it says, why sport? She takes off. The screen says, why sport? And I think it says, just do it. Just do it. So... The moral of the story is, if you are very fast and fit, you can outrun Michael Myers or any of these Jason-style characters. Because the classic trope is that, like, these women are running. Either they run real stupid-like, like, like they just trip. Falling over the chairs. They fall over chairs, they fall over things, or they run like if they've never run before. Uh, So then... (laughs) So then, in whatever the case, uh, Jason or the monster guy always catches them. Like they're just stepping; they're not—they're not even running.
1: Yeah, that's my favorite part. That they're running super fast away, and then the other one's just walking, like don't,
0: just walking dump, really I slowly. Thought. And I think the idea is like I always just attribute it to them being like supernatural, so they're just <laughs> their step is like four whole lengths for us <laughs> or something. That's my view on it because it just doesn't make any sense in like. From like a physical world sense. (laughs) So anyway, so this film is part of a series from Nike. It's a Halloween-y type thing, which is really fun.
1: I think that scenario is exactly in the beginning of uh, Friday the 13th Part 9. Jason Goes to Hell, right? Where they ambush him?
0: You ask me questions (laughs) that I don't know the answers to. I don't remember Jason Goes to Hell. Well, let's watch I remember the poster for Jason Goes to Hell, but that's about it.
1: Well, I'm quizzing Um, you. What is the poster?
0: The poster is Jason's mask and it's got like flames in the back and there's some sort of weird looking worm thing coming through the eye (laughs) looking right at you. I think that's the first one I remember. Yeah, that's the one I remember because it used to be in that movie theater we used to go to next to the arcade. I just remember it was up for a long time. That and Sleepwalkers. (laughs) I don't know. The, The weird worm thing looks weird. I don't know what it is. But anyway, this isn't about Jason versus... Freddie or Jason Goes to Hell. This is about this woman who's in her own version of hell. <laughs> so there's a Nike ad. So Nike, you know, big brand, shoes, sportswear, all this kind of stuff. Hoodies. So they're big enough that they can do advertising space. Uh, they can have, like, advertising space in big events like the Olympics. Um, they've always worked with huge names. Like one of their big brand relationships was with Michael Jordan. Air Jordan. Which are still big, the Air Jordans. So for the Olympics in Sydney in 2000, Nike found uh their their kind of like brand partner person in Susie Favor Hamilton, um one of the most decorated female track and field stars of that era. So 2000 was her third Olympics. So in this ad, it's, you know, it's a send-up on the slasher film thing. She's in a setting where typically people are killed by a relentless monster killer man, (laughs) but she's so fit that she escapes, and he's just kind of, he just gives up at the end. So it's part of Nike's Why sport campaign.
1: Must be hard to do with the mask on, too, right?
0: What? If you're normal,
1: not a supernatural monster.
0: Well, that's why they're all supernatural. Like, there's no, like, no regular human being can do what these killers do.
1: Unless they're, like, super (laughs) fit.
0: They're all supernatural. Freddy Krueger's supernatural. So anyway, it's it's an effective ad in a way, but it received a lot of backlash and the commercial ended up being pulled. NBC, I assume they aired the Olympics, um, received thousands of complaints. The complaints were that the ad could be seen as promoting
1: thousands,
0: thousands nice to me. <laughs> yeah, thousands. Loads of complaints. I know
1: when you hear something like uh, a questionable this or that or like a Cheerios commercial or whatever. It's like a few here and there with thousands. I guess because yeah. there were huge Olympics around the world. So.
0: It was the Olympics. So the Olympics is also kind of a family-friendly thing. That's how it's typically positioned. So that then too. you see that sort of thing and it's a bit out of step with – I guess the general tone and feel of the Olympics. So I I think that probably helped lead to the complaints apart from the content, the kind of jarring nature of it, I think probably helped make it that people just went, I'm picking up the phone and giving them a piece of my mind. (laughs) But anyway, uh, the complaints were mainly around the ad could be seen as promoting violence against women, which is a typical complaint with the slasher genre anyway. On the flip side Hamilton, the track and field star, she said she enjoyed filming the ad. But I guess you can enjoy something Mm -hmm. and the end result be not so great. (laughs) Then
1: again, she uh, was paid, so who knows?
0: That's true. She was probably paid loads.
1: Yeah, there was also Uh, that Lance Armstrong one, remember?
0: Oh, yeah. So there was a Lance Armstrong one from the Nike campaign. It's where he revives an elephant. An elephant? He revives an elephant by breathing into its trunk because he's so fit. and so much lung capacity that he can revive an elephant. He stopped breathing. I think we are losing her. Is there nothing we can do?
1: I'm a human cannonball, not a doctor.
0: That's probably controversial for other reasons.
1: I wonder if we got, like, animal complaints or something.
0: Nah. Well, there's always some kind of complaint, I think. But I meant more so about Lance Armstrong's history.
1: But the complaints about slasher films...
0: Are more in keeping with Halloween than some sort of PETA nonsense. So we're going to keep on with that. So this ad is is just a send-up on the slasher film stuff. So in a slasher film, in the event you don't know what it is... Don't worry. We'll cover you. A killer stalks and kills people with various sharp objects like a machete or sharp fingers. (laughs) And there's usually a sense of mystery over the killer's identity. So no one really understands why this guy's killing. We must find out what he's doing and take him down. Who is he? That kind of stuff. Despite being very violent, they're popular. Horror movies tend to be popular, and this is a fun subgenre for a lot of people. While there's a lot of history behind this type of film... The modern slasher genre is mainly attributed to John Carpenter's Halloween in 1978. So Halloween is about Michael Myers attacking people with a machete. He just walks around and murders people. (laughs) Um, There's not much else to it. There probably kind of is, but there's not like this huge... Like, you know how, like, say, for instance, the Omen has this huge lore of, like, this man, this child is the Antichrist, and we must, and all this kind of stuff. This is just, like, this guy's killing people. (laughs) Like, that's the end of it. He's a maniacal freak.
1: Yeah, the question was about, is pure evil, does it actually exist?
0: Yeah, I think that's the kind of deeper thing to it, but, like, the base of it.
1: But then he essentially turned into a weird uh, Jason variant.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what he became. He became that. Even Jason became a weird variant of himself. Like, he's not really what Jason was in the first one. But anyway. Yeah, then he became a (laughs) zombie. Yeah, just some sort of supernatural, superhuman thing. So, right, this film. So Halloween kind of set the standard for most slashers kind of going forward. It played on the fears of safe. Where is safe? Like, the suburbs, schools. You know, if you can get murdered in them, no place is safe. Everywhere is dangerous. So it played up on that that aspect. It's not like you're just going to be killed in a spooky cabin. You might be killed in your bed where you feel happiest. So slasher films, in relation to this, they also kind of help cement one particular trope, which is the final girl trope. What's the final girl trope? The final girl trope has, has young women usually being the last survivor of the killer's kind of onslaught. The term was coined by an academic, Carol J. Clover. So the final girl is usually the best of moral character of all her companions, many of which, or probably all of them, have been killed throughout the film. So as the movie progresses, we're kind of supposed to root for the killer in a way. It's like, yeah, he's stabbing everybody. But then our focus kind of shifts shifts to the final girl. So we're like, come on, stay alive, final girl. You got to beat this guy who keeps trying to kill everybody. Evil, unstoppable monster. You got to stop this unstoppable monster. So the final girl trope um, receives a lot of criticism. The way that it's presented, especially in slasher films, is that the views towards women are that they must be of good moral character or they'll suffer the consequences, even if they survive the initial attack. So typically the final girl is this really sweet, innocent, young, naive person, or at least the soft one and stuff. And all the other women within the film tend to be i don't know sexually promiscuous or
1: yeah even presentation they're like cuter rather than like super hot right
0: yeah they're usually they present as much more girlish while the other ones present as more like women you know so even if they're like teenagers or whatever so the final girl will survive and you usually associate it because she's the good one because she's adhered to society's standards of what a good woman is and the bad women die because I don't know it's their comeuppance for being bad women <laughs> so a lot of times the other women the other women that get killed are criticized for their moral behavior there's also criticism in that they're typically objectified for a male audience or they're killed at moments of sexual or sexualized instances so um They made fun of this in like cabin in the woods where like all the characters are supposed to be tropey. And one of the characters was just kind of like a normal girl, like just a regular person started getting really like sexually promiscuous or or whatever the word is. Uh, So it was just kind of bizarre. Good film though.
1: Yeah. They're like playing with it. a lot.
0: So in these films, it's not just women who die, but the men die. They usually die faster and more gruesomely. And kind of silly too, like sometimes you'll just see them, you almost laugh at the way they die, even though it's it's meant to be dramatic or whatever. But the women tend to be stalked, and they usually are in terror more, (laughs) so it's much more of an intense experience than it is for the male characters, typically in these kind of standard slasher films, not the ones that are trying to subvert the slasher tropes or anything like that in that you know that's been going on for a long time but like in recent history the chastity aspect has been dropped um and more kind of movies are kind of playing with the final girl trope so there was a film called final girls kind of about that i just mentioned the one so is it
1: still really a trope now or is it just
0: yeah, something that, of the yeah it's sort of funny when you say that because it's a bit like a trope is cemented but then when the trope starts getting played with too much I guess it still is a trope, but like if more of the films are messing with it than are adhering to it, is it just a gone thing? Is it Yeah. No, is, it, just is it no more? Past? I don't know. I mean, tons of slasher films and tons of horror films are are published or sorry, are released every year. We'll see them on like Tubi or something like that. So I bet you they all adhere to the standard trope of I do Final remember Durant. that
1: movie it follows. It still had like she was she got a evil disease curse because of sex.
0: Yeah, but that was supposed to be... It's not
1: slasher, but it's within horror. Yeah,
0: it's kind of a commentary on something else as well. A lot of these kind of horror films are... Most horror films are kind of commentary on something, but I think that one was specifically about disease or something like that. Yeah. yeah, so so kind of going back to all the trope stuff, Scream was one of the, one of the notable kind of, I would say recent, but it's not. It's like 30 years <laughs> old film or horror film that kind of played with these tropes. And it was directed by Wes Craven of Freddy Krueger fame. And it directly examined all of these things we've sort of spoken about.
1: Like Jamie Kennedy just pretty much saying, hey, this is what it says in the horror movie.
0: Which was very refreshing when it first came out. But then you saw it again and again. And it's just like, okay, we get it just because a character says it. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie.
1: Yeah, all the 90s ones, remember all the posters were just the headshots of the pretty people with like a knife in the back or something? Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So Craven even remarked on at one point about the misogyny of slasher films. So it wasn't really lost on anybody that these films aren't presenting women in a good light. <laughs> I guess there's the whole thing about like mainly male audiences watch these things. I don't know if that's actually true or not. If that's still true, like yeah. that it's a primarily male audience. Maybe it is. I have no idea. I have I mean, a feeling I, I, it is. Probably. I don't know. I really like horror films. I'm not saying that. I'm an exception to the rule or something, but I, I suspect there's a pretty healthy female audience out there for, yeah. for horror films. I think it was probably in reaction to being so scared of all of these films as a kid that I just ended up liking them, especially zombie <laughs> ones, but they kind of got overdone because everybody started liking zombies for some reason. Yeah. And that's the end of our spooky episode. No, I'm kidding. Um, so we're at the end of all the things. So let's rank them. Yeah. All right. What's your least favorite commercial of the three?
1: Uh, I'll go with Freddy's Hotline because it's just... (gasps) It's such a blatant cash grab to me. And it's like, look, kids, talk to Freddy. Here's the hotline. And then just, yeah. showing, just showing clips, not really him doing something new. Do you or- know
0: what's really difficult about you saying that? It's like you make a lot of sense. And I think that probably is also my least favorite. But it just makes me feel yeah, so like good it. watching it because it's like, ah, oh, because it's purely nostalgia that's giving me that. Oh, this is so cool. This is like some an era that no longer exists about, you <laughs> yeah. know, 900 numbers and Freddy, which is just fun. Um, but yeah, it doesn't really have a story. You have to call to receive the stories.
1: Like <laughs> 3 a.m. and you're watching this call to be scared.
0: Um, okay, so then what's the second one? Uh, the
1: second one would be, I guess it would be going in order how we went Coors Light, because it's just her being silly and like, look, I'm on a fake beach. Have some Coors Light with all these kooky monsters. And it's just, it's basic again. You're making too many good points. <laughs> She's a a nice character, funny and it's like, well, we're having fun at the beach. It's nice. Let's get some cool.
0: Yeah, I I think I'm going to have to do the same thing just on the merit of it. It's a fun commercial and it's cute. But, but that, that that's it. Like it is a it is a fun commercial and it's cute and it does sell the product pretty well. It's it's cool. I like it. I actually really like it for a Halloween theme. I guess the reason why I would put the last one at the top is just because it's a fun it's actually kind of bad but like it's a story that i haven't seen before so that's kind of funny
1: i like the premise of it so much yeah that's what it is the nike y sport i guess nike would have a budget to make something really good and what it's playing off of what it's commenting on and if you're a horror fan and you see it. It's like, oh wow, that's what I watch in the movies. But she escapes because she's really, really fit and really, really good. Yeah. So yeah. buy our shoes and you'll not die, I guess.
0: Yeah. So it's it's cute. It's cute for well, cute's probably the wrong word. That's for a very wrong. It, it's, it's, it's a for nice send up of. Yeah, I know. It's a nice end up of the slasher thing. It is a little jarring if you saw it when you were watching all those other like Nike ads and weedy stuff. So I can understand why there were complaints.
1: Yeah, you had like Lance Armstrong breathing into an elephant and then you see violence.
0: <laughs> yeah, so this one's a little bit more like, why is it the woman that has to be chased Intense. and murdered? But she doesn't get murdered. So, yeah, I get it.
1: Maybe they had one of the judo women.
0: <laughs> All right. So of the three, what product would you buy? I would buy,
1: based on the commercial, I would I would buy Coors because I want to have fun at the beach. and
0: Yeah, um, I don't even drink. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, just
1: replace it with a soda and it's okay. That's what I'm going to yeah, do. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like <laughs> if it was like Coca-Cola, I would have been like, yep, that one. A Coke, Followed by Freddy because I want to know what the stories are.
1: <laughs> okay, quick last question, Thunderdome round. Favorite Freddy Krueger song?
0: I have no favorite Freddy Krueger songs. What is, what, I don't even know what that means. DJ
1: Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, Nightmare on My Street, Fat Boys. Are you ready for Freddy or and Dream Warriors? I'll go with and Dream Warriors because it's a really good song for the third movie.
0: I don't know. The first one, because what? <laughs> it's all very ridiculous. I, I don't have any any thoughts on it. I'll send you the
1: links to all of them. Okay, so...
0: That was the last
1: question. That was a nice episode. Hello. We forgot to mention the socials. So here's a clip from an old episode.
0: If you liked this episode, make sure to subscribe to us on Google Podcasts, on Apple, kind of like the iTunes kind of thing. Anchor. We're pretty much on all the podcasting platforms. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at RetroAdReview. We post commercials there pretty often and talk to people on there. So that's kind of fun. If you have any suggestions for an episode, just send us a message and we'll get right back to you. So this is our Halloween episode. We hope that you enjoy Halloween. We don't want you to get murdered, so don't do anything that you that may get you murdered. Um, don't go any spooky cabins by yourself. Go with all of your friends and have a real fun time. All right, so have a happy Halloween. We'll see you on the other side. Bye!
1: This is Carlos. Nice hearing from you, Carlos. Happy Halloween, dude.